Bonnie, I just need to know in the end, can I sit at your right hand? <laughs> always, <laughs> always. <laughs> Hello, everyone, and welcome. We are Irenicast, a group of folks leaning into our progressive Christian imagination. I'm Bonnie. I'm Casey. This is Rajiv. And I'm Jeff. On the first and third Tuesday of every month, we provoke conversation for shifting perspectives on theology and culture. Thank you for joining us. This week, we are finishing our series of Beyond the Binary of Deconstruction and Reconstruction. And so we're going to try our best to not just o- not only wrap things up, but also offer maybe some some resources and some other thoughts about what all this, you know, what is what is deconstruction and reconstruction. And then for our segment, we are going to play a game called Two Truths and a Lie, the Community Edition. So this game will be fun. I think it's I think we've played this before, <laughs> but you can tell how much I love games. So um, look forward to that after this episode. And so for this episode, we're, we're going to talk about community and the role that community plays in this process and the, and the beyond the binary process of deconstruction and reconstruction. All of us have talked about how at no point in the journey, even though we felt deeply alone at times and it felt like such a solitary experience that really at no time were we completely cut off or disconnected from other people, that community was a part of it. So this episode is a chance for us to reflect on that a little bit and and then offer, offer maybe some, some resources and insights that we hope might be helpful to you and your journey. So let's start off by just answering the question, you know, how, how do you, when you think of community, what does that mean to you? I think for a lot of people listening and for us, like the first thing is church, right? And I think that yeah. kind of at the top to say that, uh, you know, when we're talking community, we're not saying, here are some tips on how you can go back to church. You don't ever have to go no. back to church. That That's not what we're saying here. We're saying people that are walking alongside of you. And you may have had that in church or not, but that's kind of what we're talking about when we say community. And I think that, I think that needs to be said up front. I think when we get to the, the reconstruction mode, so many times we talk about like going back to things, going back to things. Yeah. And that doesn't have to be a reality either. Like you don't have to go back to things. You, you know, you can leave things behind for good communities, churches, whatever. So, you know, to answer the question explicitly what that you're asking, Bonnie, I would say just, you know, People you can confide in, people who you're not afraid to, you know, to use verbiage from our last episode, reveal your authentic self to. We had a visitor. I mean, Jeff, you're just talking about church. So I'm, here I am bringing in church again, not not because, <laughs> but it, it's it's relevant. But Reverend Rosemary McCombs Maxey the first Native woman ordained in the United Church of Christ, and she came to visit. She's really good friends with a member of ours, and I got to be in a small group discussion with her and was asking her, how do we, you know, basically, how do we move forward into what's next as as a human species? And we were specifically talking about masculinity. 
and she thought for a second, and then she said, friendship. Friendship. Be a good friend and surround yourself with good friends. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, th- I think we know what that means deep down. You know, it's a mm-hmm. deep answer. And I think that's the key. And we sometimes find those friendships in family, actually biological relations. Sometimes we create chosen family. Sometimes it, it's an outgrowth of a workplace or, I don't know, an affinity group. Sometimes it's in church or mosque or temple. But friendship. Yeah, I, I would add to that. I mean, friendship in friendship, there is love, right? I like to say that I define love as always working good, uh, working for the good of the other. There are places that that I go or other people where they go places, and even they may not be friends, but you are looking after one another. The community is tending to the people, right? And I think that that's really important. I don't have to know you to care for you, to work for your good, to make sure that you get home safely. I mean, there have been many nights when I'm at gay bars and, you know, not to be stereotypical, but there's the young straight woman in the corner who's drunk as hell by herself and just needs someone to call her a lift and get her home. I've done that. It's that tending to or looking after the good of the group, the, the making sure that the space is safe and, and you are authentically yourself, your authentic self is welcomed, it is seen and celebrated, and you are safe. Yeah, I think, I mean, those are really helpful definitions and ways of talking about community. Um, you know, as we were preparing for this episode, we came up with a few questions that we thought might be useful for helping us think about who is our community, what is community in our life, what role does it play in our life. And I think often we think of ourselves as, you know, we we receive from community. And maybe that's because we're in such need like to receive from community when previously your your worth and your value was measured by how much you gave to community and you didn't get to ask any questions about whether or not you were getting anything in return right and yet community really is this give and take relationship community doesn't happen unless people are committed to fostering that sense of connection and safety and being able to be our true authentic selves. It takes work to foster that. And also, we need to be receiving from it, too, because we deeply need to be connected. Yeah, so some of these questions, and, you know, I'd love to hear what you think about these questions as one way to think about who, what is community in my life? Who is responsible for you? Who are you responsible for and who are you responsible to? Are those good guiding questions? Do you like that word responsible? Yeah, I, I do. And, and I think, you know, for me, what feels important to acknowledge is when I hear those questions, some aspects of brokenness come up because the notion of who is responsible for you most of us are like, well, you know, I can take care of myself, blah, blah, blah. You know, there's brokenness in that. But inversely, you know, there's something about that self-reliance that also makes us really selfish. 
and communities fail when there aren't more people giving than there are folks getting at any given time. So a lot of the times we gauge our feelings or our ratings of a community based on what we got. We rarely consider like, what am I giving? What am I called to give to keep this community strong and afloat in in whatever realm that's in? So it's just this strange sense of brokenness on multiple levels that is informing some of these considerations and underscoring <laughs> the the importance and necessity of good, healthy, loving community, because th- that's the only thing that'll get us through. I never really thought of that, Rajiv, and I think it's really important for us to lift up this idea of when we hear who is responsible for you, and our first response is, ain't nobody responsible for me but me, right? I mean, I could hear myself immediately go to that place. And that's from a place of guardedness, right? A place of pain, a place of not trusting that the community can hold me or not wanting to make myself vulnerable in that way. So I think it's very important to hear you say that a part of the way in which community is made whole is when we're willing to bring our whole selves and allow for ourselves to be vulnerable, allow ourselves to be tended to, and not to be the ones that drain the system either, right? That there has to be that give and that take, but to recognize that for the community, the beloved community, whatever that community is, you have to be willing to show up and, and allow yourself to be tended to. I think that's super important. I never thought of that until now. So thank you. I think that I noticed that we're hesitant to answer the questions. And I don't know what that's about. But I, I, I sense in us this, and, and maybe this is good modeling, right, for, for our friends who listen to us. <laughs> um, because there is a struggle to name who, mm-hmm. who is responsible for me, right? I would say my husband feels some responsibility to me. I know my dog does probably. <laughs> um, I can list. I can list who I'm responsible for mm-hmm. uh, a lot easier yeah. than mm-hmm. I can say who might feel responsible for me. Um, I'll I'll just give a shout out to my gracious husband who I know feels some responsibility for me. Maybe my parents. I don't know. Uh, grandparents. How does that work? I'm I'm not sure, but I certainly re- feel responsible to my husband. I am responsible for my community, right? My church that I serve, my friends, the people that I love and care for. I feel responsible to you as colleagues and close, close friends. I feel responsible for just in general, I feel like being a citizen of the community I'm a part of. Um, More and more, I feel a sense of responsibility to take up space and to get clear about the values I think that I want to see manifested in our community? And who am I responsible to? All of those people. I think that's the thing, that given that take piece, that I feel responsible to you, but I am also responsible to be held accountable by you. I think accountability, as hard as that word is for me to say, because for many of us, we had accountability buddies, right? Or whatever, there was a sense of shame attached to that. I don't think there has to be. But there is a sense of accountability in the sense of if I feel some sort of responsibility to you, I also know that you are inviting me to show up in ways that I need to be accountable for. I think that I am responsible to most 
to most of the people in which I am, I am sharing love with. I'm investing time in. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Casey, for breaking that ice. Yeah, that look, that was like really <laughs> hard. And I'm, I'm yeah. sure that you all will say smarter things and I'll be like, oh yeah, that too. Um, but at least, at least we started someplace. Yeah, that was great. And I think, I think too, like as many times as you said the word responsible, you know, that's the word. I'm not sure. I don't remember exactly how we came to that word as we were brainstorming, but it feel, it's a heavy word. Yeah. You know, and I think, I think we, uh, on the one hand, really do want to claim responsibility for ourselves and for those that we feel responsible for and to. And on the other hand, it's, you know, it's like, uh, how I, that's too much. Right. You know, we're all oldest children, right? <laughs> yeah, Are we? I, I yeah. think so. That's yeah. probably how we ended up with I just, this word. I just wanted to. I wanted to name that. Bring that into the <laughs> yeah. space. That's a really important family um, dynamic. To yeah, that we up. all yeah. that we are all oldest children, and so that word responsibility. I know for each of us mm-hmm. is something we take pretty seriously. At yeah. least I do, um, and it's just something to name. Good point. And I, in an ideal scenario. All the people, all my, you know, the self and everyone included, it's supposed to flow both ways with the recognition that our developmental journeys are part of it. You know, in the last episode, we talked about adolescence and how in that adolescent period, you're supposed to be selfish. And in families where I see this showing up sometimes is we we try to have family dinners pretty regularly. And if somebody's sort of in that adolescent thing and they don't really like just come eat and leave, you know, go go do whatever, you know, they, they're not going to be able to necessarily prepare something in that time. But five years from now, they might be convening the whole thing. Ideally, it's supposed to flow. Ideally, we're supposed to be able to consider one another's developmental status or um, circumstantial status and provide for that. The tragedy is we're not, few of us are dealing with ideals and we're trying to piece together the best we can. And so Casey, just to sort of follow your lead, I resonated with everything you said. And I feel really, really lucky that I would add and that who is responsible for you are my parents. My parents have done a remarkable job making sure I know that. As long as they're alive, I'm like, you know, I got them. You know, they, they have my back, even though I don't need them in tangible financial ways anymore. They're there. And it's it's really nice to not have that be a question. And I know that's rare and I'm just grateful for it. So I wanted to lift it up. I hope to do that for my kids where they never have that doubt. I mean, yes, they're tough questions. I think that's an interesting revelation about us all being (laughs) older siblings (laughs) because that explains so much. Uh, So much. (laughs) But I also think it's like difficult because, and maybe this is just my experience or my warped perspective, but, you know, communities seem to rarely be centered around people but something right like even church it was centered around your theology like it was centered around the 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 thing that if you separated from then you are also separating from the community family same thing like it's that the family is a center even us at this table like 
we're not here because we just magically met each other and we were friends first. Like we're centered around creating a podcast and work from that. Mm -hmm. So, and then even, even those of you that may be listening, like we know based off of emails we get, there are many of you that feel like you're at this table with us that we don't even know you exist. And I don't mean to say that in like a, you know, that sounds horrible to say, but it's also this really weird reality that we live in is that we have seen and we've heard stories of people creating community from the words that we say into these microphones that we are totally not connected to in any way. So then when we get the word responsible, I mean, obviously I think all of us take a certain amount of responsibility for what we do on the show and the things that we say and all that kind of stuff. But I feel like there's also so many like communities that are based off of content, like in this, this space, I'm, I'm fumbling over my words here. Cause I'm just trying to think like, I guess just even just personally thinking like, where is my community and where does my responsibility lie with these varying degrees of community is, is community a spectrum in terms of how much you could possibly give and not give. I don't know. I think I'm just kind of throwing stuff out there because I, I, number one, avoiding the question and number two, (laughs) you know, (laughs) trying to like kind of sift through like when I, like who am I responsible for? I think of the faces that are in front of me, but then I also think of this, you know, microphone in front of me and and Mm -hmm. what we're putting out there. I think it's like such a big question, how we relate to the idea of community right now, especially I have this conversation with young people all the time. Anybody in youth ministry or with children in your home, you may be having these questions because even the term like friends, friendship, followers, right? There's all of these various terms that we use now, largely because of social media and all the platforms and social media that are communal type terms. And yet, you know, what what do we mean by them? You know, are they are we gathering around content? Are we gathering around a feeling? Are we gathering around like a shared experience in what I might call a not superficial, but a a shared experience in kind of the world of uh, social reality, which is, I think, different than a shared experience in an embodied sort of sense in, in having a conversation over a meal at a table or going through something together, like going on a trip together or going camping together, that shared experience is different, I think, than the shared experience of lit- listening to a podcast mm-hmm. in from our various locations. And yet, I do think it's really important for us to expand what we mean by community because mm-hmm. we live in different times Absolutely. now and expand what we mean by presence. Can I be present with somebody online or in a Zoom call? Like, is that presence in the same way as being in the same room with with our embodied selves connecting? I mean, these are big questions, but I think that we do, we do need to have that conversation. And then what role does responsibility play in all of these various communities? So Jeff, I really appreciate your nuancing this a little bit because it, it can be sort of easy to say my family, my parents, my kids, these are these are very visceral responsibilities in this give and take relationship of communal life. But then what about the larger, you know, and using a Bible phrase, what does it mean to be our brothers and sisters keepers? 
in the the largest sense possible, which is part of what Casey was talking about. And to be a brother or sister's keeper, it means you're responsible. You take responsibility on for that person, hoping that when you are in some sort of need, somebody will take responsibility for you. But I also think but responsibility is in the eye of the beholder for someone who might be suffering from social anxiety or whatever. They might come from a perspective. I'm putting a lot of responsibility in this just by showing up once and not talking to someone. That's huge. And recognizing like what is even responsibility and giving mean in a communal situation because it, it's easy to diminish the virtual space. It's easy to dismiss it. Well, it's not real connection. It's fake connection. But, you know, we have a whole generation of people that that's the only, not the only, but the, 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 the most significant and meaningful connection that they've had in their lives is through those relationships that they've developed with someone that they may have never seen or been with in the same room. And, and I also think in terms of like the idea of responsibility and, and burden and work and give and take, like, you know, working with the two of you at your church and recently encountering a lot of people who cannot see and listening to their stories about how trying to be a part of church communities made them feel like they were a burden, made them feel like it was too much work to fully bring you into the community. So it was like you conform or find somewhere else. And I think that those instances, especially people who are, you know, who might be disabled and how they're interacting and then how we determine that. Cause I know that around community, we use a lot of flowery spiritual language around inclusivity. We used a lot of flowery spiritual language, but there is a lot of work that that goes into that. And I just struggle with the word responsibility because it's it's such a present reality. Because of the world that we live in and the culture we live in in America, it's so easy to like attach certain things to responsibility, like effort and money and like here's what real responsibility is and I don't know. It's just, it's, it, it's such a muddy thing. Well, it, those are really good points, Jeff. And I, I think healthy community recognizes, again, development and circumstance. And, you know, the, the people you were talking about who don't have sight, you know, who are blind, it, it's been a real learning process for us. And, you know, their presence and their gifts are, are meaningful. And so we learned. We're like, tell us, you know, teach us what to do rather than being like, well, that's too much trouble or whatever. And, you know, so fortunately, the, that that community is one that is eager to learn and change. So, uh, you know, it, it is. You're, you're talking about the church. The church, the, the, okay. the church in this case, in okay. this instance. Um, but all communities, like I've seen that in some of my extended family when a person isn't doing so well, you know, there's. The rallying around, all right, it's time for us all to step up, go by and visit, take some meals, whatever it may be. And you see that replicated in all kinds of settings. And, and you know, also a recognition of a really healthy community might realize, like, like you're saying, Jeff, maybe all that person is going to be able to do is open the door and receive from time to time. And that's their contribution. So as members of a community, that's part of what I think we're called into is to to be part of that discerning process, the the process of of equipping the organism. 
I want us to be able to also speak to our own communal journeys a little bit. And so thinking about, and I'm, I'm so glad you brought the metaphor of organism into the space, because like we've been saying many times before, that nothing's really fixed, that that it's all in process. And so communities themselves are very much in process all the time. People coming, giving what they can, what they have to give, and then other times not having those things to give. And so others have to step in, lean in, and give and so on, that give and take. So with community as organism, if you would speak to a little bit about your own journey with community, like what was it like to leave community or to move in and out of community? How did you find community when you felt alone or did you? We'll start with those questions first. Another easy list. (laughs) Well, we're thinking about that. I, I want to kind of take us back to this idea of responsibility, because I think it's easier for us to nuance this and invite invite our listeners to think about us being a part of a larger global community, right? Yeah. It's so much easier to go there because it then doesn't become mm-hmm. tangible. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, as Jeff was saying, like, he's struggling with this word responsible, you know, what, how are you responsible when you may feel like there's nothing you bring to the community or whatever, that you might not have a lot to offer. I want to speak to this idea, and it's related to what you've just asked, Bonnie. If you do not feel responsible to the community, then what is the point? Then it's not, then it is not a community that you belong to. And if they do not feel responsible to you, if they're not willing to find ways to to bring you in, you know, I had a senior recently say, you know, I feel like all of the ways in which I used to give to the community, I can no longer do. And now I am meaningless. And I said, but you love to write cards, don't you? Oh, well, I do. I sure love to write. What if I bought you 150 cards, postcards, and brought stamps? Would you be willing to write a card to every person on our roster? Well, I could certainly do that. I'm committed. The community is committed to finding a way to make you feel committed. There's responsibility there, right? And I think that that's sort of when we come into the second phase of the conversation around leaving a community, I think the first question you have to ask is, do I still feel any obligation here? Do they feel obligation to me? Or have they left me to my own sinful devices or whatever? You know, there there is that given that take that we talked about earlier. And responsibility, we could replace it with commitment or value, right? Mm -hmm. Is there there commitment to this? Do I feel committed to the cause, the connection? Do I feel uh, responsible for the flourishing of the community and myself a part of that? The co-flourishing, we might say. And if either of those are no longer a a green light, if it doesn't feel like there's Mm co-flourishing, then there has to be the ability to walk away. Yeah. And I know that was true for me. You know, that's the question. What about you? And for me, it was you cannot see me as a whole person. You do not value my opinion. You are not allowing me to consent to your prayers or not to consent to your terrible right. prayers, um, which means that you're not responsible for me. You do not have my best interest at heart. And so I have to step away and find spaces where that co-flourishing can happen, where I can be seen and valued as a whole person, where you feel responsible to my flourishing. I think that that is an essential piece of this conversation. Yeah. 
you know, the arc that you were asking about, Bonnie, leaving is always painful, I think, even if leaving is necessary. That process of leaving, I think, is an eternal process. It's not something you do just because you no longer physically go to a place. The, the leaving takes forever. And that process of leaving is then intertwined with creating new community and new support systems. And, you know, as Casey said, we've been burned before. We don't, you know, we're reticent to trust. But I think ultimately, and then connecting this to what Jeff was saying, ultimately, we need community to be okay. As humans, we're resilient and creative. And so we're like, all right, let's find a way to create community. And sometimes it's the bowling league. Sometimes it's a podcast and fellow listeners. Sometimes it's bird watching. It's a long list. <laughs> and sometimes it's it's faith community. Mm-hmm. Kind of along with that is that, you know, the responsibility of leaving has to lay on the community itself. Like it should be easy to leave a community. Not that you're not going to miss it or whatever, but... It doesn't always have to end in, you no longer value me, I no longer value you. It doesn't always have to end in, like, I can't be on board with this or I can't be on board with that. It can be something that we can flow in and out of, depending upon the seasons of our life, the circumstances of our life. And I I think that part of the power of a healthy community is one that holds its people loosely when they need to be held loosely and brings them in tight when they need a hug, Mm -hmm. you know? Yep. And I don't think that many of us coming from church communities, churches don't seem very well equipped to that. And I wonder if it's not just churches, but I think it's, you know, going back to what we talked about a little bit earlier, where communities are centered on things. If my community is centered on a book, that book ends, we have something in common, that's fine. But if my community is centered on like the fate of people of color in our community or, you know, this greater, grander work of you know, the churches that that we work with in, in terms of social justice and all that kind of stuff, leaving feels like, well, I'm leaving this work and I'm not a good person. So I feel like, and I don't know, I don't know if that means like in our lives, we have like long-term communities and short-term communities or um, all that kind of stuff. But I do think the marker of a healthy community is one that releases grace gracefully and says, hopefully you'll be back. If not, then through those processes, you have a connection of communities. So communities in community, um, which I think is even harder to, yeah. to balance and, and walk through and maneuver through. I think that speaks to maturity also, right? I mean, it goes back to some of what we were talking about in the last episode around knowing oneself well and being able to acknowledge that there are places and spaces that you will be for a season uh, I mean, even saying that, I, I imagine, you know, like, but I mean, but it's true that there are, there are people that you will walk with, um, communities that you will walk with for, for a lifetime. And then there are other spaces and places that you and people that you will not. So being able to hold things lightly is a sign of maturity. Even people who've left my church, when we have left in disagreement, I've said, I would still love for you to come one Sunday and let us pray for you and send you out in peace so that you know that there is no ill will here. Rarely do they take me up on that, but I mean it when I say it because I don't ever want people to feel like in my personal life and in my in my work life 
that you are beholden to whatever it is, right? We know the definition of cult, right? The cult, the definition is you don't get to leave. You can't leave. We don't want people to feel bound to these things. And so, as you're saying, Jeff, I agree, you know, I think it is important for us to acknowledge that there's the ebb and flow of life and relationships change. Being a mature person or a mature system is to be able to hold these things lightly and value the time that you do get with them. Yeah, I I appreciate all of that, but I want to push back on it a little bit because I think it's also it's also a byproduct of whiteness to sort of believe that we can move in and out of community and not invest to a point where we deeply belong. And I and I know there's various communities and Jeff like your communities within communities is is true. Like there are some communities that are that are really close around us. And we may describe those communities as communities that we belong to, belong with, and maybe belonging and responsibility. There's some correlation between those two words. And, I, and I'm going to speak to the experience of leaving community that I still belong to and, in, and that I'm in. And that's where it gets really painful and difficult and complicated. I inherited my religious tradition from my great-great-grandparents on down to me. So that's the community that I'm going to speak to. I mean, that's, there's a culture around that tradition. There's a, there's a food culture. There's a, a language culture. There's a ritual culture. And I experienced within this community that I didn't feel like I could flourish in it. And that my, when myself woke up, truly and was like this community isn't can't hold you in the ways that you need to be held in order to really be true to who you are and so I left but I couldn't I still haven't left the belonging piece and I know that's not true I I don't think it's true really of you know maybe your corner church or whatever because I think it's different when you are raised in a more of a sectarian folk culture tradition, like say the Amish or something like that, as compared to just like we drove into town and found a church and that's a church that we belong to. And there's more choice involved, I guess, in how much you'll invest in that community versus you have to. This is who you are. This is your identity. So I'm I'm just trying to add all the layers of this experience of community and and belonging and responsibility. And some of us have to leave communities that we deeply belong to, but they come with us at, in our leaving. And so then a lot of our work in spiritually in, in with the self, but then also with community is to figure out how in the coming with us, we incorporate them in ways that are going to actually contribute to our well-being instead of to our harm. And that's a huge journey that feels like it doesn't end. But I just, I want to resist this idea that we are able to just sort of step in and out gracefully. I don't know if that's true or if it's helpful. And I'm happy to be disagreed with, but. Well, I think that, you know, as the token white male in this, uh, uh, 
you saying that and hearing what you're saying in regards to your experience with Adventism, I think that there's a lot of truth there. And I suppose that it is super easy for me to say and maneuver in and out of different communities when I know that I have the safety net of the larger cultural community. So I think that there's, on reflection, a lot of truth to that in calling out whiteness specifically. I have to sit with that for a while. Yeah. I mean, thanks. Thank you, Jeff. And I also think that you know, there's truth to what you're saying, too. And I think the the nesting community within community, some communities are designed to be moved in and out of. They're temporary. And many, we may be able to speak to those communities in our process of leaving. We found this community. We sort of tried it out, experimented, you know, and then was like, no, not quite. And then moved into a new community. I think that that urge, urgency within us to be part of community is what we really want is to belong. We want to belong to a people, and we want people to belong to us. Responsibility. Yeah, but I mean, like, deep, right? Yeah. And so I, I'm i just saying, I guess, my criticism of using whiteness as a way to criticize, it may not just be whiteness, it may also be maleness or masculinity may be part of it, too, which, you know, is that, that emotional expression of your mind and I'm yours. Like, and how difficult that is to say, except to very, very f- few intimately close people, and how that's kind of sad. And maybe this whole journey with leaving community and community, you know, I don't know. I'm, we can take this out, but no, I, man, I, now it like, <laughs> I feel like we're going and I mean, there's so many layers to this. I feel like, uh, uh, first of all, <laughs> I apologize because I feel like every <laughs> turning point of this conversation, I've just, you know, <laughs> buddied the water a little bit and <laughs> taken us away. Of course. Okay. So I will do. continue in that tradition <laughs> to say that I've also, you know, honestly, outside of this group right here, people at the table, I've not been a part of a community who's. I don't want to say central identity, but one of the, the the main focuses of the community is is a shared trauma, right? Like all of us are coming out of the shared trauma of coming out of some sort of shared fundamental controlling religious system to varying degrees, as we've discussed throughout the entirety of, of our time together and this show. But outside of this, none of my communities have been based off of shared trauma, any kind of trauma, cultural trauma, anything like that. And I think that that also speaks to whiteness, like outside of just the cultural net of wherever I go, I'm not going to be looked at twice. So, I, I mean, it, like I said, I, there's a lot to chew on there and I I, uh, I need to sit with that for a while. Who knew this was going to be so hard to talk about? <laughs> <laughs> did everybody get a chance to speak to the journey? I, I think I did. Um, maybe, you know, this might be my closing thought here, but the the notion of belonging has a deepness to it that includes responsibility, but is beyond responsibility. Yeah. And and I like what that's communicating because in a in a way it, it, it feels like it inherently allows for transformation without 
excommunication. And I think that's something we all need to be as fully developed as we can in this lifetime. I hear your invitation for reintegration, Bonnie. I think it's really hard for a lot of us, right? And some people might hear that, like, go back to your abuser, and that's not what we're saying. No, not at all. No. Mm -mm. And I think that, you know, one of the things that we were talking about before we jumped on here was the work that I've done with some evangelical colleges, the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod College in Southern California, and being able to go back onto those campuses, not welcomed, by the way, with open arms, and to speak to those young people to speak to ears who who need to hear. And that work is not easy. I mean, uh, it oftentimes makes me like feel very tired and sometimes a little depressed after, right? Um, Because it evokes in me so much. But the ability to return, because I know the language, because I know, because that is the culture that I was embedded in, it gives me authority to speak in a way that someone without this experience would never be able to be heard, would never be able to be received. And I think that that's sort of the invitation that I'm hearing from you, is that even though you may have to leave these communities at some level, they never are far from you. In terms of the way you see the world, in terms of the way you navigate it, how do you honor some of that story by being able to integrate it in a way that is transformative, is I think what I hear you saying, and at least inviting us into. Um, You know, I think that would be my final thought, right, is find a way, you know, whether that be through finding other communities like intersections or whatever that allow you the ability to process so that you might get some distance and clarity, right, to see and to reintegrate or to scorch the earth if that's what you need to do. But the truth is, you know, it'll never be far from you. It will always live in you in some way. And so you can allow it to rot in you or you can use it as fertilizer for for the next part of your journey in the way you reintegrate into community. Yeah, and it, it you carry it into the other communities that you're a part of. And yeah, yeah and I way. that Either that's way. really well said, Casey. And I I do think intersections, you know, which is a a program that we all developed to help people process their experience of leaving evangelical and fundamentalism, and we're excited to be able to offer that more often. And we have one coming up um, in the winter starting in February. So that once the self is alive and well, as you know, of course, always as well as it can be in the moment, then the community isn't the same. Like you're not absorbed by the community and that the that you can belong to something as an individual in relationship with all these others. But you're not them, and they're not you. You just you you you're connected, and so you can come in and come out in ways that are maybe less harmful. But it takes so much work, so much work. Wow, I you know we promised beyond the binary of deconstruction and reconstruction, and we also sort of said, made a pact between us that we were going to go into places that we felt like other people in conversations about this deconstruction, reconstruction process weren't going into. And we obviously, as you heard, if you listen to the series, have heard that some of those places are hard to reach 
with language. So we we really also want to hear from you and hear what language you put to your experience. We can just learn from one another in community as we all continue our process. So let us know what you think. To add your voice to this particular conversation, comment on the show notes at irenacast.com slash 188. In the show notes, you'll find relevant links and a complete list of all the ways you can add your voice to this conversation. And if you haven't already, please consider joining our email list. By joining our email list, you will be updated on all things Irenicast, including our next intersection session that will be taking place on Thursdays, February 3rd through March 10th at 7 p.m. Pacific time. You can find a link to subscribe in the show notes at arenacast.com slash 188. And we, we do hope that you will join that email list. So on the other side of the music, we will play two truths and a lie. Welcome back to our game. <laughs> we are going so- to- <laughs> Way to hype it up, Bonnie. <laughs> Get people excited. <laughs> we are playing Two Truths and a Lie, a nice old classic standby, something that youth pastors <laughs> know how to play all the time. And this time it's related to our topic of community. So each of us will share two communities that we actually have belonged to to or in, and one community that we haven't. And we will try to guess which one is the the lie, the false community. It should be interesting. Yeah, it should be interesting. So I'm going to pull a Jeff and go to my right. Casey's sitting on my right-hand side, so we'll start with you, Casey. Bonnie, I just need to know in the end, can I sit at your right hand? <laughs> always, <laughs> always. <laughs> So, uh, happy to sit here. All right, here we go. Here are the three. Youth with a Mission, YWAM. Maybe some of you Mm. remember YWAM, Youth with a Mission. The Sacramento Leather Community. And the Young Republicans. Ooh. I'm going to say YWAM is a lie. I don't think you actually belonged to that group. Okay. I think you went there. Okay. I'm still stuck on the leather community. Like, that can mean a lot of things. Like, you were... You know, wrangling cows no, no, or even at SM or okay, here we go. I got a nod. For those of you that are listening, I got a nod when I said that part. Just you know <laughs> since this isn't a visual. It's not media. cowboys, Jeff. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well it could be. I mean chaps it could be. are a thing. Yeah, but... I guess right, sure. Yeah. Leather's used for a lot of things. <laughs> well, I don't see like a leather mask hanging up in your office. So. Uh, I, actually, I think, Rajiv, that's some sound logic. I'm going to go with YWAM as well, because I, I feel like you were there with the Republican thing, but I don't remember I don't remember YWAM and Lutheran churches being super connected. But I could be wrong. But I'm going to go with YWAM for the same reasons of, that Rajiv said. 
a, this is tough. I'm going to say that you you may have had Republican leanings, but that you never joined the Young Republicans Club. So, so I was part of the Young Republicans, and I would never, ever, ever step foot on YWAM's campus. But I did have I had uh, other evangelical youth missions organizations I was a part of, but not YWAM. They were actually down the street from where I was, but they're atrocious as well. Uh, leather, <laughs> uh, The leather community, the way I'm connected to them was three years ago when I was Grand Marshal of Sacramento Pride Parade, the queen of the leather community in Sacramento. I don't know what they call her, but she was one of the other Grand Marshals. And so she invited me to like a big ceremony they were having. And so are you ready for my joke of the day? I get there, they welcome everyone, you know, and they, you know, Pastor Casey, we're so glad you're here. And I said, yes, I'm glad to be here. I'm glad that we all wear collars in different forms. <laughs> get it? Clergy nice. collars. Yes, uh -huh. nice. Okay. <laughs> I See, try. We love these so games. So I got right? it right. Yeah, you got it so right. So that's a point for me. Yeah. Right. Um, a point for riding me. off Rush Youth's coattails. <laughs> I will take that point as well. <laughs> All right. So here's mine. Way back in the day, Rush Limbaugh started calling feminists feminazis. And in response to that, and in objection to Rush Limbaugh in total, a group called the Feminazis formed in Washington, D.C., and I joined them. Um, Are you giving us like you're supposed to give us three communities? This that's one. The next community we're, we're supposed to guess. So that's the feminazis. The next community, okay, is the Trotsky Trotsky Society, which is a socialist poli political group <laughs> that formed during the first Gulf War and worked to bring about charges of war crimes against President Bush. And the third community was amongst a group of friends who founded Grace Place and uh, a homeless shelter. So those are the three communities. Oh, okay. The Feminazis, the Trotsky Society, and Grace Place. You started it in such a way that I felt like we were sitting down at a campfire and you were telling like, once upon a time. Right. <laughs> I appreciate the historical context. I really do. I'm going to go with uh, the Trotsky Society. Because I feel like you were like um, your conversion to the light was was not uh, in the early nineties. So I'm going to go with Trotsky Society as the lie. As the lie. That's right. I think you're trying to fool us with the feminazis thing because it seems to be on the surface right down your wheelhouse with your work with masculinity and it's kind of like you know you openly calling yourself a feminist and i feel like it's a swerve to like well of course if this is who i am now that's who i used to be so i'm gonna go with that one as the and i don't think that they ever formally organized so i'm gonna, I'm gonna go with that yeah me too that you weren't part of the feminazis you may have heard about the feminazis if there even was such a thing but that you weren't part of it right so that's correct, but <laughs> I was part of the feminazis. It was just me and my friend Carla. Oh, you made and, up your own and, little club, and we never, we never actually formed a society. But I was actual, like a signed member of the Trotsky <laughs> Society, and we tried to bring about war crimes uh, on the per per Persian Gulf. And and Bonnie and I actually were two of the members of what became Grace Place, that sh homeless shelter. Yeah. 
So another another giveaway we... was the longer narrative connected yeah. to that first one. Yeah, so you're yeah, kind yeah. of compensating. True, true. <laughs> so Jeff is winning. Yes. Okay. Let's just say it's your turn. I won once though. So it's your turn, Jeff. Okay. So a ballroom dancing club, a ska band, and a sewing club. <laughs> oh my god! Ballroom dancing club. See, I, I feel like in a previous episode you mentioned something about dancing, and I can't mm-hmm. remember if it's that you don't like dancing or that you do like dancing. That's where I'm. So I'm going to go with the sewing club. I'm going to say you are not in the sewing club. Hmm. This is tough. I have never seen any of your attempted moves. <laughs> <laughs> so I feel like if you were a member of the ballroom dancing club, we'd see a shuffle sometime. A right shuffle there. somewhere. <laughs> yeah, and I've just never point. seen one. So uh, I'm going to go with that one. That's the lie. Okay. I I think it's the ska band. And the reason is because I think that maybe somehow you got you talked into doing the ballroom dancing thing and the sewing club, but you really want to be part of a ska band. And that's the yeah, one yeah, thing. I, I get the, yeah, that. Yeah, I haven't that done was yet. my second yeah, choice. I think and Jeff needs the beanie and the tight jeans. The, the, uh, the guitar playing is what I was like, so, yeah, he, probably for like maybe 10 minutes. What's the All answer? Right. So a long time ago, after I first met my girlfriend, now wife, her dad was a pastor of a church, and we used to just hang out at the church building all night. So we would. Did you? Yes. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, we would play this game called pew racing, where we'd start at the back of the church, and then we'd have to crawl under the pews to the front of the church. And then that became the impetus for the name of my ska band, the Pew Racers. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. So I was in a ska band. Yes. And I did, a ska band. And I did not the, play guitar. The, the, I played saxophone. Oh, so, uh-oh. The, the plot thing. <laughs> the plot. So there's there's that. But we, we never, like, it didn't last long. But it was still part of it. Um, my cousin, when I was younger, started taking a dance class at a ballroom dancing club. Ah, and man, encouraged my mom to enroll me, and I had to go. So for, like, a year of my life, I had to take ballroom wow. dancing. Wow. And sewing is not something I've been a part of, although I want to learn to sew. So hopefully in the future that will no longer be a lie. But at this point, so it you is. you got the right motivation, Bonnie. Yeah, but wrong, the wrong, wrong event. event. Or activity. <laughs> you should come over. We could sew sometime. Uh, I you, love sewing. I would show yeah. me, please. Seriously. Okay. I would love that. Yeah, Nick wants to start a whole club, a sewing club. All right. There well, you go. There, there you go. He's making his own clothes now. Yeah. Future is. me, this will not be a lie. <laughs> All right, so here are mine. Horsewoman's Club, Mops, which back in the day was mothers of preschool preschoolers, Christian group, or and um macrame club. <laughs> These are like so, so old person. <laughs> Cuz I am an old person, what can I say? So Horsewoman Club. Uh-huh. Like women who like ride horses or like women who are into the mythical creatures of cent- the centaurs that's half person. <laughs> no, and- real horses. No, real horses. Yeah, okay. real horses. Okay, so say, okay, so. Horsewoman's Club, Mops, Mothers of Preschoolers, that Christian group that's probably long gone. No, it's still around. Is it no, still, it's around? still around? Oh, it's still around. Okay, so sorry for those people <laughs> who might still be out there doing that. And the Macrame, Macrame Club, which is, you know, Macrame. 
making things with ropes. I'm going with Horsewoman Club because no lady who I know r- that rides a horse calls her club the Horsewoman Club. So I'm going that's, with Horsewoman That's a good point. Club. And I just like, for some reason, like the whole like horse culture just seems like. Not I, I can't put you there. Yeah. I, I, so I, I'm maybe I'm just wishful thinking, but I hope that that's the lie. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I think it's mops. I'm pretty sure you were part of the Horsewoman's Club back in the day. The macrame thing back in the day. Mops, you knew about it, but I don't think you were ever in it. Yeah, you're right. Uh-huh. <laughs> the Horsewoman's Club thing was like at, just in our boarding school. So it's it wasn't a large culture, a large, like broader culture thing. It was just on. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Boarding school? What's going uh, on? Yeah. <laughs> I feel That's like. Another episode. <laughs> That's another episode. So, um. Yeah. So we had horses and we had to like get up in the morning and work the farm and the whole thing. This is a whole part of the story that I thought has come out by now, but apparently it has I not. I want to, I and... want pictures found of Bonnie riding a horse. I feel like something's going to oh, happen. I loved horses. In your and life. I, and you're going to yeah. have like a John Wick moment where you're going to like go into your basement and like pull out this old chest and it's going to be your plaid <laughs> skirt for boarding school and oh, like your, no, your horse whip and hat. <laughs> yeah. that That's all in the chest for sure. Oh my gosh. So, and then macrame, again, at the boarding school, learned how to do that. And there was like a club and that was fun. Forgive my ignorance. What's macrame? Is it like a sewing thing or like, it's what like is it? using using cords, like kind of rope to tie knots. Cords and big fat beads. To make, yeah, beads. You can tie, Pretty be- much you can tie beads in there to make. Like flower pot holders. <laughs> you weren't in the club. Just a minute. <laughs> <laughs> you make like hanging. And owls. Plant hangers. Okay, so the evolution of making. You are not in the club. Okay, <laughs> you are not in the club. You, you are don't not get in the club. <laughs> okay, so the, so all all the all the all the girls in elementary school that are making friendship bracelets. This is like the next evolution. Of oh, that. this is like yeah. Okay, friendship like, bracelets. Like you can make belts. You can make like suspenders. You can make plant hangers. Horse whips. Saddles. Horse whips. Go nuts. Okay. Totally. All right. Yeah, you should look it up. Google macrame. You'll be amazed. You'll probably <laughs> want to join the club. But I never, I tried, I was invited so many times to join that, join mops, and I just never could sign the paper. Because you have you. to sign a paper, at, for, at least you used to have to, about beliefs and stuff before you join it. Interesting. Wow. There we go. That's our, those That's are our fun. communal stories. That and much more. So that will do it for this week. We just want to mention that Intersections is coming up Thursdays, February 3 to March 10, 2022. We're excited about it. We hope that you will join the email list at arenacast.com so that you can be informed of how to register. If you enjoy Arenacast and would like to join the work that we are doing, please consider donating to our PayPal link at arenacast.com slash PayPal. We are committed to keeping the show free for listeners, but there are costs involved and your financial support helps. That's arenacast.com slash PayPal. Arenacast is a nonprofit organization, so your donations are tax deductible. You can also support the show by simply making sure you follow the show wherever you listen to podcasts. And if the platform allows it, leave a rating and or review. So this week, for this week, I'm Bonnie. I'm Casey. This is Rajiv. And I'm Jeff. Thanks for joining the conversation. Mm-hmm.